Welcome to Hairstylist Rising Podcast. Together, we are going to dive deep into mindset, marketing, and finding fulfillment in this beautiful industry. I'm your host, Jody Brown, and I am a hairstylist veteran turned online entrepreneur and mindful marketing mentor just for beauty pros. No topic is off limits. We are going to pull back the curtain and discover the success secrets of hairstylists that are rising. Hey, hey, I am pretty excited for my guest today. This is her second appearance on the Hairstylist Rising podcast. She is a hairstylist, speaker, educator, and motivator. She has been my business coach, and now I'm lucky to call her my friend. The incredible Don Bradley is here today, and we are talking all about client communication and consultations, and most importantly, why they are the secret weapon to a wildly successful career as a six-figure hairstylist and beyond. All right, let's dive in. Welcome to the show, Don. Hi. Hi. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you so much for joining me. I am so excited to talk about today's topic because I think it's so important and you are the queen. So thank you so much for joining me today to talk about giving a killer consultation. Oh my gosh. I'm so like, I could talk about consultations all day, every day. So I'm so stoked to be here. Thank you for inviting me on to talk about my favorite subject. (laughs) I could not think of a better person. So, so, okay. I think that this is something that we can talk about from the angle of how, why it's important and how we can incorporate better consultations. Because I think the key here and the trap that a lot of stylists fall into is the consultation is so bomb for a first time client. And then we have this standard we hold ourselves to. And then I think that subsequently our consultations get more and more lax. And then Mm -hmm. we've all heard from like clients that have come to us for the first time that the reason they leave their stylist is because they're not getting offered change and they're not feeling like they're being listened to anymore. And I mean, it's a lot easier to retain a client than it is to consistently get new ones. So Mm -hmm. What are your thoughts on why we let those consultations drop over time? I think it comes from a place of like, like I always say we have to show up at work and be intentional that like show up like work, like it's work. And when we develop these really cool connections and bonds with our clients, it feels like we're more hanging out with friends. And so then we get a little lax because it's like, oh, it's just so-and-so I know them. And we start to we don't realize we're creating assumptions, but the more you get to know someone, it's like, if you go on a first date with someone, you have no clue what they're going to order off the menu. But by like the fifth time you go out to dinner with me, you know, I'm going to get chicken fingers and fries, (laughs) right? Like you just like, okay, like, you know. And so then the one time that like, I'm going to try something else, but you know, you're like, oh, and she'll just have the chicken fingers and fries. I'd be like, excuse me. Just because I get them all the time doesn't mean I'm going to get them all the time. I wanted And nachos. I think that's like, and I legit had nachos last night. But like realizing that like we, we are creatures of habit and even in like in an effort to want to win over and make our clients happy, we'll sometimes be like, you know, you want the same thing, right? But we forget to ask and inquire and, and we end up assuming a lot. And so yeah, I, I teach a lot about first-time consultations, but like the follow-up of making sure you ask and inquire and educate your clients each and every time they come in is so important. And, and remembering you, you, 
and I'll ruffle feathers with this. You aren't supposed to be friends with your clients. You're supposed to be friendly with your clients. And that's, that's an difference. important distinction, I think. And it's hard because like lots of times you can be like, oh my gosh. And not to say you can't be friends with your clients, but there needs to be a barrier and a boundary when they're your client and when they're your friend. And so still asking and inquiring and not assuming when they're your client, when they're in that role. Yeah, for sure. And I think that's the thing that needs to come first, right? Like you can, you know, once you're into the appointment and getting, you know, you can be as friendly as you want, you can talk about whatever. But I think that, like you said, it's so important to begin the appointment in the way that you would with any new client. So, you know, making Mm -hmm. sure to give them your full attention. So what is the hallmark of a bad consultation? Would you say like, what are, what are things that you've seen or even done in the past that you're like, I can't believe I'm going to use an example of actually what happened to my mom really recently. So my mom's been, she doesn't live in the same city as me and she's been looking to find a stylist that really gets her hair. And like, granted, like she's been lucky for the past 20 years that her daughter's done her hair. And I think (laughs) she just needs me to do her hair. It's not that, it's not that other people are incapable, but what happened to her, she booked a consultation and a haircut with someone. And she went and she's like, they didn't really ask me much. Like it was like, a minute. And then she just started, you know, took me to this base and washed my hair. And my mom's like, it wasn't, and my mom didn't speak up because oftentimes like clients, we can't expect them to speak up when we're the professionals and like, you know, we should look at our schedule. And so could my mom have been like, is that it? Like I I booked in for a consultation, but not once again, not her responsibility. They go to pay at the end and the girl goes, Oh, you were booked in for a consultation. Oh, well, I just won't charge you for it. And so just did a consult, just gave my mom the price for a cut. So then my mom booked in for highlights and a haircut and went back to the same person. And the girl was like, oh, you're booked in for highlights. My mom went, yep. And the girl disappeared and came back and started putting foils in. I know it kind of shocked me. And I like, I do not want to shame anyone. I think it's just an example of like, we can get into ruts or maybe my mom's not her ideal client. Maybe she, you know, I know a lot of times for me, it was like a, coming from a place of insecurity of I don't want someone to think I don't know what I'm doing. So I won't ask enough questions because if I ask too many questions, they're going to think I'm not confident. And so, you know, my mom was kind of bummed out because she's like, it's not really what I wanted, but she didn't ask me anything. And then, you know, she's like, we talked about haircut during my appointment and then she just trimmed my bangs. And when I went to pay, she went, oh, you were booked in for a cut as well well, do you want me to do it now? And my mom was like, no, don't worry about it. And so I use this example not to shame this this hairstylist whatsoever, to just show and shine a light on the fact that there's not adequate education for us as stylists to learn how to communicate and consult with our clients enough. And it needs to be, it's the communication part is, I would argue, more important than the skills Because if you don't get the communication part correct, it doesn't matter how good you are at something if you don't know how to listen and hear and understand your client. Well, that's so true because like you could give someone the world's most beautiful balayage, but if they were actually wanting like highlights, then (laughs) Kelly Clarkson circa 2001 highlights, like (laughs) balayage is not going to be what they wanted. Yeah. Yeah, not quite. So, we're working we're working on canvases that have an opinion. That is such a good way of putting it. I've never heard that before. I love that. It's not yeah. just about your art, right? It's about how you can tailor it to your client to make sure that yeah. they feel their best. Um, so if you're in this industry for the art, like 
work on mannequins. But if you're in this industry to like care for people and do art, then it's an, actually a way harder job than the industry and society gives it credit for. You know, there's so much of like, oh, you're just a hairstylist. Like, hello, I have to create works of art, not on blank canvases, but on ripped up, dirty, built, torn up canvases. And I need to make it look like it's brand new. And the canvas has to approve, which is not the case for most artists. (laughs) And it's not about what I want. It's about trying to understand what you want. And like, we can, we can both talk about like something being the color green, but how many different color greens are there? Right. That is so true. Color to pick as a hairstylist, but how many pages (laughs) of blonde are there? That's true. There's a ton of different tones. And like, I think that's so true that sometimes we just assume we just kind of learn something in a class or we see something or we're excited about something and we don't take the time to kind of translate it to what our client actually wants. And I know that you kind of treat a consultation almost as its own standalone kind of service, right? Like that's Mm -hmm. something that you do a lot differently. So can you kind of just Tell us a little bit about how you think consultation should be done differently. Yeah, like, and it really boils down to like, what kind of service do you want to provide? What's your stress and anxiety levels? And what kind of client do you want to attract? And so the way I built it in my business is I was getting a lot of anxiety when I'd see a new client on the books and go like, oh, they're booked in for a half head, but I've never seen them before. Like, do they, do they know what a half head is? Like what, what if I don't have enough time? What if their hair's a disaster? And I'd get so much anxiety seeing a new person on my schedule and being like, I don't know if they booked the right thing. Right. So then to ease my anxiety, I started doing custom consultations and I started booking a half an hour out for them. And at first it was like, I'd give them the option to like do a first time appointment that included a consultation, but that still stressed me out. Cause I still like I'm like, do you need five hours? Do you need three hours? Like, I don't know because I don't know you and I don't know your hair. And the picture you DM'd me doesn't really help because it's like (laughs) in your bathroom with terrible lighting. And so I decided to ease my own anxiety. I was going to set them apart as a separate service. And then I started charging for them, not from a place of like wanting to gouge people, but I was actually getting, I was, had this beautiful problem of too many people wanting to see me, which is a great problem to have that doing free consultations was losing me money where paying clients could get in. And I had, I never wanted to close my books from new clients and people have varying opinions on this, but I thought, my goodness, like first come first serve. I had a full clientele. I was fully booked, but if someone new wants to come in and if someone old might leave or if a balayage, I wasn't priced properly either. And that's a whole nother conversation. Like if a balayage wants to book in, I'd rather take that over a root retouch because I actually make more money at the time off balayage. And so I created them as a separate service and I started charging for them. Now, do I think everyone should have them as a separate service? And do I think everyone should charge for them? Not necessarily. However, I started charging with them to defer people and it actually made me more in demand because can I swear on your podcast? Yeah. (laughs) I'm like, women love exclusive shit. And all of a sudden I couldn't, you couldn't just have me. You had to be approved and you had to pay. And I think the really important thing is once again, it wasn't to to create this like hierarchy or like this like barrier. It was to try to slow down my business and to really make people research me before they booked in to see like, is this girl the kind of hairstylist? Does she do the work that I really want? And so I wanted people to do their due diligence on me. And when they're invested financially, they will. And then I also wanted to make sure that people were coming with an open mind and an open heart and that they trusted me. And so when people are willing to pay, they often trust more. And I always say consultations aren't about what would you like done with your hair? It's about building trust, respect, loyalty, and authority. Mm -hmm. 
And when you do, when you have that time set aside and you're not rushing because you know you're getting paid for your time and you're not like, oh, I want to get this over with because like I'm not making any money off this. And when you recognize that your wisdom and your knowledge is is worth a dollar amount, not just what your hands can do, because your brain has to tell your hands what to do. And if your brain doesn't know a pattern or if your brain doesn't know, then what use is your is your skills? And so it's like that analogy where it says like cutting the cutting a like a bomb person, it's like cutting the wire one dollar, knowing which wire to cut nine hundred ninety nine dollars. And I see, right? So good. So many hairstylists do such a huge disservice to themselves, thinking like, well, who would want to pay to just come talk to me? A lot of people, because there's for me, it was like I wanted to attract clients that had never been listened to, heard, and they probably like nine point nine. I'm sorry, I'm going on a rant. Nine point nine times out of ten, a client doesn't come in with god awful hair. Mm-mm. it's just hair that they didn't want. Mm-hmm. And so when I go through it, I tell them technically wise, this is really sound and really well done. It's just not done how you wanted it. You weren't listened to. Mm-hmm. And that's when I started to realize like people just need to be understood. And we're in such a rush to be, to do the doing and to do the things that we think make us the money that we forget that like this and this, or oh, you can't, people can't see me. <laughs> our brain <laughs> and our mouth are, are like the most important part to building that connection. Yeah, that is that is so good. I love that. I think it's so true. Like it's unless it's what you want, it doesn't actually matter the quality of the work. It's all no. about like understanding your client and mm-hmm. I think that's so interesting too that people like your point about people feeling like they are being listened to and how that is worth something because clearly it is you were probably one of the pioneers but I've seen more and more stylists implementing paid consultations mm-hmm. and you know the phrase people that pay pay attention popped up for me yep. when you were saying that because I think you're right it's when all of a sudden when you're paying a professional for a consultation and you know their opinion their like professional knowledge, it's it all of a sudden attaches a type of value to it that perhaps they would not have paid as much attention to were it kind of like a free consult. Not that I don't think that you can add value in a free consult. You totally can, but I can see how it would change the perception. It also keeps you accountable as a hairstylist to be like, okay, they're paying me. I need to make sure that I really listen and I'm not thinking about my lunch that's cold in the microwave in the bag. Or that person that's looking like they're wanting to buy retail at the front that I can make a couple bucks off of, Mm -hmm. right? Like I'm like, I'm there and I'm present. So it's like accountability on both sides. Totally. What are your thoughts on when, because I've seen this happen too, where people charge for a consultation and then kind of apply it to the service. Cause I've also seen people who charge for consultations because they get a lot of no shows. Yeah. And like that actually helped me with my no shows completely is like one, like having them put their credit card in. And so if they don't show up for their consultation, they're getting charged. I've seen people like make people pay for the consult before they come. Brilliant. I think that's great. And like, I always say like, there's no one right way. Like even like a consultation separate from an appointment might not be the thing that someone listening to this is like, doesn't work for their business. And so I want people to know to like, I want in, in all my education and in my stories, I want people to be inspired to take it and use it as their own or to adapt it to how it'll work for them in their business. So what was your original question? About applying. (laughs) It took me a second there. Applying the cost of the consult to their service. 
Normally I can remember, but totally squirrely <laughs> moment. Yeah, like I think that's a great idea, especially if that makes someone feel comfortable in the beginning to charge. Because like I was just sharing the story with someone else earlier today. It's like the first time. So when I first started charging for my consults, it was 50 bucks. And I remember being like the very first consultation that I charged for. I like brought them up to the front and I was like wanting them to offer because I felt so uncomfortable. I'm like, I haven't done anything. Like I don't see anything. And I still struggle with that in my business now. It's like, what did I do today? Cause I don't like see the fruit, the, the fruits of the labor or whatever. And I was like, so that'll be $50, right? Like, so like, are you going to, are you going to, are you going to fight me on this? And they're like, okay. And like, Nothing. And then a couple of clients would be like, hey, does this apply to my cost of my appointment? I said, unfortunately, no, it doesn't. Yeah. I and then there's like awkward three way. seconds. Yeah. And that's the thing too is like sometimes it's okay for there to be a little silence, you know? <laughs> I think that's something too that I've experienced when doing consultations where I'm like, oh, I feel like I had to like talk the entire time. And sometimes when you actually take a minute to like stop talking and listen and let there be a little silence. People volunteer a lot more information. There's a huge skill in being able to listen. Like I, I also, I think I've shared with you before, like the first time I charged someone over $500 for their appointment, I was like pooping my pants. And I went like, we talked about it in the consultation. She knew, like she knew it was coming, but then it was like, Oh my gosh, like, I know I'm worth this, but why am I feeling so uncomfortable? Because money was, wasn't a comfortable conversation for me. And so, you know, I told her like it's $520 or something. And her response was like, wow, I've never paid this much for my hair before. And then like she paused because there's a period at the end of that sentence. And in that, like, it felt like five years, but it was like half a second that I was like, Don, like you're overcharging her. Like, even though I'd broken it down with my system that I teach and like, Don, like, who are you? Like, she hates it. She's not, she's going to refuse to pay. Like, all, this whole conversation, like I said, that felt like five years long <laughs> went on while she took a breath and went, but I've never loved my hair this much before. And I realized in that moment, she made a statement. She didn't make a question. Mm -hmm. She said, wow, I've never paid this much for my hair. And I was like, she's questioning it. She's, you know, because of my insecurity. And mm -hmm. if I wouldn't have stayed quiet, would I like knocked 50 bucks off or, you know, like offered something else. So, you know, like all those like knee jerk reactions we have to want to quantify or create value mm -hmm. instead of just staying quiet and listening to the rest of the statement. But we assume and make assumptions from a statement. And that was like a huge learning curve for me to go, okay, she, she like my insecurity thought she was questioning it. She made a statement and, and she's fine with it. I think that says so much about like, A, how our brains work a lot of the time. We just instantly go into questioning ourselves mode. And then mm -hmm. two, about how important it is not to make assumptions. Yeah. Like, yeah. And like the age old, like when you assume you make an ass out of you and me. Mm -hmm. Remember, I think I heard that in grade eight for the first time. And I was like, oh, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, totally. I remember when I was working in the salon, my pricing was quite a bit higher than a lot of the other girls. Like we were all independent. And I remember it being a conversation in the salon and one of the girls had raised her pricing because they were all way undercharging because hadn't raised their price in a long time, which they went on to fix. But I remember the first time one of my coworkers had charged her new pricing and she was absolutely petrified. She was like, oh, my client's not going to be able to afford it, all this stuff. That client also purchased $300 worth of retail 
And in yep. that moment, that was all it took. And she was like, oh, I don't need to worry anymore. Cause she had been hyping it up in her own brain. Like my clients can't afford this. My clients don't mm-hmm. value this. Like, and then, you know, I think sometimes we think about our clients' wallets way too much. You can't assume about what your clients want with their hair. You can't assume yeah. their budgets. We need to take a step back from all the assumption. I love that. And like people aren't getting, like we are doing hair every day, all day, but people aren't getting their hair done all day, every day. They save up for it. And then also understanding like you are less scared to charge your prices when you understand the expenses of your business. Mm -hmm. Like when you know that you're not pocketing that 300 bucks, but that like, okay, your rent costs you this much for that time frame, and your products cost you this much. And oh, like I'm actually oh my goodness, I'm only charging 300 for this color correction, but I'm only taking home 50 bucks for the last three hours. Yikes. Yeah. It definitely makes it easier to, you know, to charge what you need to charge when you understand why you're charging it. Mm -hmm. Cause sometimes I think, especially when you first get into being your own boss, you kind of think, like you said, that $300, that's my take home. And you don't really factor in all your expenses initially. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I think that's a really good point too. It's like, that's not that's not your take home. That's your like top of the line. It's hard. And I feel like no matter how much we, like when I went into business for myself, like I knew that, but I still didn't practice it. And like, I've shared with you before, like I got a $20,000 tax bill that I was not prepared for and like gut punch. Right. And it's like in those learning lessons that there were shitty learning lessons that I'm like, Oh, okay. So like that money in my bank account is not all mine. Yeah. And that just the government. Just kidding. Paying taxes always sucks. It never feels fun. <laughs> Cheat the system so we don't have to pay taxes. Yeah, I wish, right? But that just goes to show. Like, I love that you're so open with sharing that because, like, even when we're talking about like consultations, when we're talking about like, you know, running your business a certain way, all these things. Just because you're like, it's not meant to be like, oh, you're doing it wrong. It's just an evolution of like where you can get to, right? So like. Everyone has to start somewhere. And I think if you're listening to this and you're like, oh, like my consultations are not good. They need some work. Don't feel like ashamed or embarrassed. Just, you know, it's one thing to be able to add to your repertoire in a way that you can grow in as a stylist and as a business owner. Yeah. And like, don't beat yourself up with, with what you don't know. You don't know. Mm-hmm. And then when you do know, you can go be- get better. And that goes for like everything in life. Like, When you understand, like when you're ignorant to something in the true sense of it, when you really just don't know, you can't, you can learn, you can be educated. And then, then you can maybe, you know, like, oh, I knew better than that. But then you just like, it's one thing to like learn something. And then there's like our reflexes and our brain learns quicker than our, than our reflexes. So, you know, you're like, oh, I'm not going to emotionally discount anymore because I know like it's actually putting my, my business in a deficit. And then all of a sudden you're going to, you know, know that, but then you're going to have this client come in that you've always give a discount to, and you're going to give them a discount and then go, Oh shoot, I wasn't going to do that anymore. And you're going to beat yourself up and realizing like learning it, conceptualizing it is one thing, applying it and implementing it is another, and it takes time. And so you really need to be compassionate with yourself. Mm -hmm. It's flexing the muscle. I love that. Yeah. Okay. So now, since we have you here, I'm going to pick your brain a little bit because I think that you have some amazing things that you can share about what are like, what would you say are three things that people can do to make their consultations better that they can like quickly change? 
I know it's a process, but like, what are some things that could really help people get better with their consultations or get started? I think like the number one thing I would say is don't just like have them fill something out and go through it with them and make eye contact with them because there's like that verbal or not, not verbal, like visual contract that happens when you connect with someone saying like, so make sure I understand things correctly. You want this. And you look at each other in the eyes and like, you really, you have like this shared memory. It also keeps you accountable and them accountable when you're talking about like risks and cancellation policies and expectations, all those sorts of things. So really going through like you know, most of the time we're rushing a consultation, but if you get them to fill out a form, which I have some sort of form, that's really important that not only asks them what they want done with their hair, but ask them things like, what don't you want done? And like really well thought out questions that are intentional to building that relationship, but also making sure that in that consultation, you go over the risks and waivers to cover your butt so that legally you're covered. And then also to go over your policies and what they can expect from what, what they're hoping for and what they can expect. So I know that's not really three things or that's more than three things or that's maybe yeah. one thing that I all put together. But making sure that you both understand what's going on. So having that conversation and having that that form that is your accountability so that you know down the road, if, if ever something was to happen, you can be like, look, you signed this right here and this is what we understood together. So going through it together and having that physical copy, I would say is like two things. And then three is just really making sure like, even if you have to ask someone like, tell me more like five times, just don't, if you're feeling embarrassed that you still don't understand them, just keep asking more questions. I love that. That's such good advice. And I think that's also something that people don't think about when it comes to consultations, right? It's like going over your policies and all that kind of stuff. Because that's one of the things that I think one of the biggest conversations in our industry is not having your cancellation policies respected or all of that kind of stuff. And that's such an important part of it too. It's not just about the hair. It's about the health of your business overall. Yeah. And like when you think about like, I don't have no shows. I don't have people saying I'm too expensive. I don't have people gawking or bartering with me. I have clients who, if they do have to late cancel, they offer to pay. Like these things are obsolete in my business because of my consultation process. And I want people to know it's not like I was like some business whiz that's like, I'm going to implement this thing. It's come from a place of not doing it and having it kick me in the ass hard that I then created this process. Yeah. Well, and you kind of went independent before it was such a phenomenon, I think, in our industry. So you've definitely put the time in to do all yeah. the hard work for people, which we very much appreciate. <laughs> do what I say, not what I did. Yeah, totally. Allow someone to pave the way for you, for sure. Yeah, honestly, the reason why I've created the programs that I have and, and the opportunities that I have for stylists is if I could have bypassed the stuff with with joining a program and having accountability and a community and a coach and a mentor that could help me with policies and, and procedures and the system that can create, like take stress out and create clarity for the way my brain works as a creative. Cause there's tons of business stuff out there. And I remember being like, they don't get our industry. I have a very relational job. So it's not just about being like super hard and boundaried and whatever. And so if there would have been something I, I would have taken it because I could have saved myself like a decade worth of learning the hard way through trial and error. Totally. And I love how you always approach 
things in business that I think is actually like really unique about the way that you teach in business about how, you know, you understand relationships and you understand, like, I've seen a lot of like, this is what you should do. And like, who cares if people are mad and blah, blah, blah. And I think that's really easy for educators to say, but then I think that people are so intimidated by the idea of actually applying it in their business that they, you know, buy the education and then can't apply it because they don't want to alienate their clients. And what I love about the way you teach is that it's the like opposite. You always factor in that relationship and, and the integrity. Absolutely. And I always say like, beware of the, and not that I would never want to put down or dismiss other educators, but beware of someone saying this is the only way. Mm-hmm. Because the thing is, is that it might be the only way for them because that's works for them and their personality and their relationships and the way their business is set up. But I want to be very intentional and and aware of the fact that we are not cookie cutter businesses and we're not cookie cutter people. And so although this way might work for this person who maybe doesn't struggle with hard conversations Mm -hmm. or maybe feels completely comfortable talking about money, that can be great. But I want to create flexibility in my approach and my education so that people know that you can mold it into what works for you and that you can create something really, really great, even from the place that you're at right now, even though you struggle to speak up, even though you're scared to say no, even though, you know, X, Y, Z. Don't think that because you've heard that this is the only way that it's the only way. There is no one right way. There's only the right way for you. I love that. That's such, yeah, that's such an important thing for people. There's so much out there that it's important to kind of look and find the things that align with you and the way you want to do things. Can you just get, cause I know that you have a program that's actually completely about consultations, which I've also never seen in this industry. So the reason why, like Brock, your consultation was born out of a huge hair disaster that happened to me. <laughs> and I had a heat reaction on my client 10 minutes in her hair, like broke off. I felt terrible. And I took, I like, I thought I sucked like 16 years of doing hair at that point. And I thought, clearly I don't know what I'm doing. And the only fault that I had when I look back is that I didn't communicate to her the risks involved. And so I was feeling not only I had moved to a new city a couple of years earlier, and I was feeling like a disconnect. Like I came from having, being fully booked, having tons of clients who loved me, who were so sad that I was leaving to all of a sudden my skill and talent hadn't changed but I didn't feel successful with my clients. Like they weren't loving me as much. They weren't stroking my ego. And then this hair disaster happened. And I realized because my skill and talent hadn't changed, but because I had so many clients for so many years, I understood them so intimately and I didn't understand these new people the same way. And so I started thinking about what questions do I need to ask? And that whole, like, it's more than just what do you want done with your hair? It's understanding them as a person. It's understanding what like funky means to Susan means something different to Brianna and right. Like understanding like the vocabulary, we can say all the same words, but we can mean very different things. Mm -hmm. And then this hair disaster happened. I'm like, I need to have waivers so that because the reality is, is these risks exist every single time someone sits in our chair, but because it's so rare, we don't let people know until it happens. And then we question like, I'm like, out the door goes 16 years of hair, successful hair doing this one moment defines me as a stylist, which is ridiculous. So I built Rock Your Consultation more than just here's a template, use it. But I give you my exact template that you can pop your logo in, which is great. But I also walk you through how to set up your consultation process so that you have more success because there's actually, there's a whole bonus lesson 
in unspoken communication that most hairstylists don't realize that they're getting their clients to agree to things that they don't want through some very, very small tweaks that are completely people are, people are overlooking. And so it's, it's not just about the form, the programs about how you go about it, how you speak, how you interact, how you engage and in a really kind, compassionate, empathetic way. So your clients don't feel like you're doing anything to them or at them, but that you're doing this for them. And that's like the really cool thing that when I see people go through rock your consultation and have like light bulb moments and like just shift, like they're not hard things to do. And you can totally binge the program within a couple hours. You could literally like join the program, print off the template and get started right away. But just like you shift a couple little things that you didn't know were there and the the, like the sparks that fly, the, you know, people, Lindsay, one of my students, like secured $2,000 worth of future appointments and two consultations after she adapted to the rock your consultation way. That is amazing. I love that. And do you actually teach? So if someone's listening and they're wanting to, they're like, okay, this paid consultation thing actually sounds super awesome. Do you teach how you do that inside Rock Your Consultation? Yeah, that's another. So like the the core of the program is like how to how to not manipulate, how to maneuver the <laughs> consultation process. And then there's the bonus of how to get paid for consultations, which you don't have to, but it's a great bonus. The unspoken communication. And then the third bonus is, I forget what it's titled, but it's basically the one thing that you need to do in your consultations to keep yourself in control, but have your client believing they're in control, which you actually like, it's an, it's an amazing, amazing thing. Yeah. That's so cool. Well, thank you so much for letting me pick your brain and sharing all these amazing consultation tips with my listeners today. I think this has been so much fun. I always love talking to you and I just really appreciate it. We're just so excited. Every time we have a conversation, we talk over each other. I'm so honored to be on your podcast. Thank you so much for inviting me back. All right. There you have it. I always have the best time chatting with Dawn and she totally brings the heat with the business advice. So if you have ever experienced clients who claim you're too expensive, leave bad reviews, no show, or even argue with you, getting really clear on how to communicate during your consultation process will eliminate these awful parts of being behind the chair. Have you ever heard the phrase, you teach people how to treat you? Well, that totally applies here. I know that you're here listening to this podcast to up your game in the hair world, and I'm so proud of you for that. And I am here to support you in creating a super fulfilling and profitable career as a hairstylist. And I have to share a super exciting resource that Dawn has created. She is actually teaching a free on-demand masterclass all about client communication and consultations, and you can access it by heading to jodybrown.ca slash RYC to watch it right this minute. I will pop the link in the show notes to make it super easy for you to find. Thank you for tuning in this week. Next week, I have something extra special for you. So make sure you subscribe to Hairstylist Rising so you're the first to know. I will see you next time and have a beautiful week.